Put me over into the book of Genesis in the 39th chapter of the book of Genesis. Amen. Genesis chapter 39. Praise the Lord. God's Word is awesome, isn't it? Praise the Lord. If you've come to see me, you'll be disappointed. If you come to hear the Word of God, you'll be blessed. So, Praise the Lord. If I, if I come to see myself, I'm already disappointed. But I've come to hear the Word of the Lord, so I'm excited about that. Alright, in the 39th chapter, we focus our attention back on the life of Joseph once again. Amen. The 38th chapter, we saw uh, Judah transgressing against the Lord. And uh, he's a type of the first Adam in failure. And then we see in the 39th chapter, returning back uh, to Joseph, we see he's a type of the last Adam, Jesus Christ, and his faithfulness. Okay? So in the 39th chapter, beginning with verse 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. He made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, what if not what is with me in the house? And he hath committed all that he hath, to my hand. There is none greater in his house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and, and sin against God? Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. Lord, it's already anointed. We ask for inspiration to preach it and teach it to your people that they might be inspired to hear it and receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Alright, Lord willing, this morning the uh, focus will be, first of all, practical application from the life of Joseph. And then we'll move from there to typology and spiritual application. Amen. Alright, let's look at verse 1. The Bible says at this point, that Joseph is brought down to Egypt. Beginning with this chapter, what we see is the history 
of Joseph while he is uh, a slave in Egypt. Now, we have discovered in the previous uh, story on Joseph how he was sold by his brothers to some merchant men. And uh, if you want to read that later, you can. That would be found, uh, amen, in the 37th chapter. And you'll remember in that chapter how he was sold by his brothers. Uh, and the reason, because they were jealous of him. His father had given him a rainbow coat. Had given him the coat of many colors. Say with me, rainbow coat. And we'll talk more about that as we go along here. Uh, but this rainbow coat was a sign of position and authority that was given to Joseph by his father. And jealousy rose up among the brethren and they sold him as a result of that. And so we come to the 39th chapter and Joseph is no longer in an exalted position, but now he is a slave in Egypt. And we see the history of him in this story at the beginning of being a slave in Egypt. So let's look at it together. The Bible says in verse 1, Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard in Egypt, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites which had brought him down thither. Now we look at this story and we see that Joseph is sold into uh, Egypt it's interesting because remember Joseph is the one who's the dreamer and he had a dream that his brothers would bow down to him he had a dream that his mother and his father would also bow down to him and uh, that coat of many colors that exalted position has been stripped from him Jacob thinks he's dead and off he goes into Egypt it is going absolutely the wrong direction you with me? The prophecy is that he would be an exalted uh, prince in the house and people would bow down to him. That was a promise from God. That was a prophecy from God. But it's going the wrong direction. It's going the opposite direction as to the promise of God. And oftentimes when we walk with God, God will give us promises and even a prophetic word over our life. And when that promise comes and that prophetic word comes to us, we think it's going to happen immediately. But oftentimes you will see as you walk with God that even the prophecies of God that's over your life that are meant for your good, you will not see them at the beginning. In fact, everything will go the opposite direction for a while and you'll begin to wonder about the promise or the prophecy of God that was placed upon your life. In fact, you may start doubting whether or not that was a true prophecy or not. So when, you're, when you dream and God gives you promises and gives you prophecy, just remember that before you experience the fulfillment of that prophecy, oftentimes it's going to go completely the opposite direction. And it takes a lot of faith for you and I when we're in those times when it looks like what God said is never going to come to pass, when it looks like the promise and the prophecies of God that have been placed upon our life are going completely away in the other direction from us, and it takes a lot of faith to hold on to God when it's going the opposite direction. And I'm not talking about for the good. I'm talking about in, in, in your eyes or my eyes for the bad. 
So you have to understand that that happens oftentimes. It's not just with Joseph, but with many men in, uh, in the Word of God who received promises from God, but before the fulfillment of the promise came, they went through a time of great testing and trial. They went through a time when it looked like there was no way that the promise or the prophecy of God would be fulfilled. It will happen to you. It's happened to me. It will happen to you. And you have to hold on to God with all you've got in those times. Because what will happen is when you start going through these tests and these trials, that's when Satan will come and attack you. He will come against you and he will try through your despair. He will try to tempt you to despair. He'll try to, to get you to give up because you're suffering and going through a very difficult time in your life. And so that's his first tactic is to try to get you to give up your faith in God during a time of despair. But when we see Joseph, the Bible tells us he did not give in to that temptation of despair. He refused that. He refused to give up his faith even though he's now a slave in Egypt instead of an exalted prince in his house. He's a servant now. And uh, I could understand why Joseph might, might get discouraged. I could understand why he might allow himself to get into despair. But he did not do that because he was a man of character. I'm talking to a lot of people this morning. In fact, I'm talking to all of us. What kind of person we are is going to be demonstrated and seen when everything is going the wrong direction. If you and I give in to despair, if we allow ourselves to be discouraged, what that really is telling us is what kind of people that we are. <clears throat> so the devil will hit you really hard in those times of testing and trial to try to get, make you discouraged. So you'll quit living for God. And you might quit keep living for God, but will you keep living for God faithfully? Did you hear what I said? <clears throat> There's a lot of people, they'll keep coming to church, but they're in despair. They'll keep coming to church and they're discouraged. They'll keep coming to church and they're downcast, but they stop being faithful to God. Oh, they'll be in the house, but they won't be faithful to God. And that's exactly what the devil's after. He's after my faithfulness and he's after your faithfulness. Because he knows that will shut off the blessings of God to your life. So don't give in to despair. Don't give in to discouragement when you go through a time of test and trial because God is going to bring an expected end to, you, to the situation in your life. The Bible says He knows the plans that He has towards you and I. And they're, they're plans for good, not evil to give you an expected end. If you'll keep trusting God and refuse to allow yourself to be discouraged to the point that you stop being faithful to God, God said, I've got an end to your situation. Like my wife said this morning, it's not always going to be like it is right now. If you and I just keep trusting God and keep believing God, God is able to turn it around. I read to you testimonies this morning about people who have given themselves to God and God is turning it around. Amen. So you can't give in to that temptation to go into despair. You cannot give in to the temptation uh, to go into discouragement where you stop being faithful to God. Joseph did not allow himself 
to fall for that trap from the enemy. Is anybody hearing the word of the Lord today? Amen. The Bible tells us even though he's taken to Egypt and he's bought, the Bible notice, look at what it says, very interesting. He was brought to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. Joseph didn't realize it, but God was still with him and God was behind the scenes as an unseen God working for him. Because as soon as he got to Egypt, he wasn't just sold to anybody. He was sold to the chief guard. He was sold to somebody who was in charge of the prison house of Pharaoh himself. God was in control even in this situation as to who bought Joseph. Because Joseph was going to need to be taught about the ins and outs of the government of Egypt. Because someday he's going to go to a throne. He's not going to stay a slave forever. Someday he's, he's destined for a throne. And so God behind the scenes has to continue to work with this man to prepare him someday to rule and to reign. So when you and I are going through tests and trials, watch for the invisible hand of God. He will connect you with people. He's in charge of everything that's happening behind the scenes. If you're trusting and He's going to use people to make us what we should be and prepare us because if you're a Christian today, you have a destiny. And that destiny is a throne. And so everything that you and I go through, every test, every trial, every difficult times, uh, we need to realize that God is behind the scene working it all out. He's working on your behalf this morning even when you can't see Him. Amen? God's providence was at work allowing Him to be bought by a high-ranking official in the court of Pharaoh so that He could be taught the ins and outs of the government of Egypt of which someday He would rule. So right off the start, right off the bat here, we see God is still working on the behalf of Joseph as to who even buys him. See, a lot of times you look at things and say, well, it's just an accident. This person came into my life. It was just an accident. This uh, situation in my life is just an accident. No, if you're a believer and you've got faith in God and you're not giving in to despair, God is going to be behind the scenes working on your behalf. Because He's got a job for you to do. He's got a job for me to do. And I promise you, it's not always easy. And you're not going to sit on the throne until you go through the process. You're not, God, God's not going to put you in a position of rulership until you know how to rule. And so God is going to allow this situation and, and really control it behind the scenes so that Joseph would be prepared to rule and to reign. Everything I'm going through in life, everything you're going through in life, ultimately is to prepare you to rule, to sit upon a throne. You have a destiny. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you have a destiny. And that destiny is to rule and reign in life. 
Look at your neighbor and tell him again, you have a destiny. And that destiny is to sit upon a throne someday. I've got a destiny right now. There's something on the inside of me. There's something on the inside of you. It is a destiny to rule and reign with Jesus Christ someday. So whatever I go through right now, it pales in comparison to where I'm headed. Joseph knew by dreams and by prophecy that he was destined to rule and to reign. And so now God behind the scenes is working in very difficult times and situations to even put him with the right people to prepare him to rule on that throne. And so he is linked up with a man that can show him the ins and outs of Egyptian government. He's the high-ranking official. He is the one that's in charge of taking care of Pharaoh. He's the one that's in charge. Uh, if anybody falls into the disfavor of Pharaoh, he's the one that's in charge to execute punishment. So Joseph's going to learn a lot from this man in this time. So God was in control. Look at your neighbor and say, God is in control. Doesn't look like it, doesn't feel like it, but God is in control. And as long as I don't give in to despair and discouragement, God is in control. I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to trust Him. He's preparing me right now for a destiny. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So, I don't know what situation you're in. I don't know what you're going through. But you're destined for a throne. You're destined to rule. And you're destined to reign. And God is in control behind the scenes to make it all happen. Now notice what the Bible says in verse 2. It says, The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. Did you see that? Joseph was a prosperous man as a slave. Because he refused to be discouraged. He refused to feel sorry for himself. God was with him and God kept blessing him. And the Bible says because the Lord was with him, he prospered. The word prosper means he was successful in life. I feel the Holy Ghost. What do you say, Pastor? I see a lot of people in the world, they're successful. No, what they have, brothers and sisters, is worldly success. But worldly success is not true success because you're not really successful if the presence of the Lord is not with you. If God's presence is with you, if God is with you and you prosper in life, that is true success. So when you see people, now listen to me carefully, church, because some of you may be going through a difficult time, not just maybe you are. And you look at people in the world, man, and they seem to be doing better than you are. But you need to understand that if God is not with those people, they don't have true success. It's only worldly success. The question for you and I today is, is God with you? Is God with me? And if I'm succeeding in life, number one, is because the Lord is with me. And number two, it's true success in contrast to the success that the world might have. There's a lot of people, they got fame and riches and everything else. But if they don't have God, I want you to hear what I'm saying. They do not have true success. 
But because the Bible says God was with Joseph, he was prosperous, he had true success right there in Egypt. God can make you prosper in any situation. God can make you successful as a slave somewhere. If God is with you, look out for the prosperity of God that will come in your life. There's nothing wrong with prosperity if it comes from God. Because that's true success. So this man, God was with him even as a slave. As a servant, he was prospering. Anybody connecting with the Word of the Lord this morning? You see in your life a prosperity, a success that is in your life because God is with you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Amen? And that the Lord made all that he had to prosper in his hand. There's nothing that Joseph didn't touch that it didn't turn into gold. Everything Joseph touched, it turned into gold. Because God was with him. And this Egyptian, who's not even a believer, this Egyptian is an unbeliever. This Egyptian is an idolater. But he notices God is with that man because everything he does turns to gold. Everything that he does works out right. Everything that he does prospers so that even the, even the person that wasn't a believer recognized the blessings and the prosperity of God upon the life of Joseph. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. When the unbeliever looks at your life, can he see the prosperity of God on you? Can he say, can the unbeliever who you know and who, who knows you, can they say God is with that person? God's with that person. I see everything they do prospers and is successful. That's the kind of man that Joseph was because he walked with God and God was with him. He prospered in everything he did to the point that even the unbeliever had to say, God is with that man. Because look at the prosperity in his life. Look at the success that is in his life. Now, is that the way it is with us? The people in the world see a believer. Do they see you overcoming difficult situations, overcoming uh, despair that might try to come to you? Are you walking with your head up today? Are you believing in God? Is God with you to the point that even people around your life can say, I see God is with you even in a slave situation. I see God is with you even in a servant situation. I see God is with you. And are you with me? And they're not even, an un they're not even believers. They're unbelievers. Everything that Joseph did prospered. Because God was with him. True success comes from God. Amen. And so we continue here. The Bible says, in verse 4, Joseph found grace in his sight. And did what? Served him. Joseph didn't sit around. God help every one of us. You gotta fight that temptation. You gotta push that temptation to, to walk in discouragement and despair. Joseph didn't sit down when he got to Egypt, 
when he didn't see the promises coming to pass. He didn't sit down and hang his head and feel sorry for himself. He got up and he went to it. He didn't sit around idle, doing nothing, feeling sorry for himself. He got up and he got busy. He wasn't idle. He was busy to the point that even an Egyptian said, I've got to promote this guy. Now you can sit around and I can sit around and feel sorry for ourselves every day. But I'm going to tell you that's not going to get you anywhere. Get up. Get with it. Get busy. Trust God. Believe God. Look at your neighbor and tell him, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Now tell me, stop feeling sorry for yourself, Pastor. Hallelujah. God is with me. I've got something to be encouraged about. I've got something to be excited about. If God is with me, who can be against me? If God be for you, who can be against you? He's got an expected end. You've got a destiny. You're going to reign someday. Don't feel sorry for yourself because that's the devil's trick. That's what the devil wants you. He wants to get you to hang your head down. He wants you to wants to get you to a place of discouragement and despair. And some of you still won't get up out of it, even hearing the word of God. God have mercy on your soul. Well, see now, okay, here's what's going to happen, see. If you were to jump up and change your attitude right now and your approach to life, you know what you're thinking? The pastor will know the Word's getting to me. So I better keep acting like I've always been acting because if I suddenly change, you know, the Word of God's getting to me. And I don't want the pastor and anybody else to know you know that the Word of God has got my number this morning. We serve an awesome God. He's a faithful God. Don't go into despair. Don't let the devil tempt you and discourage you to a point you want to give up on your faithfulness to God. Get up and say, I'm going to do something. I'm going to believe God. God's going to change this situation. I know He is. Because some of you are praying for blessings. You're asking God to give you more money. You're asking God to give you more blessings. But the problem is when you get them, you're not going to know what to do with them. Are y'all with me? So some, see, God's got to put you in situations not only so He can bless your life, but when you get the blessing, then you know what to do with it. Amen? Brother Thomas Preto was telling me about this. I didn't even know about this, this legislation. You know, what is that called, brother, you're telling me about where they give houses and stuff? Section 8 housing? Okay. So Section 8 housing, right, and what that simply basically is, and I didn't know about this, they will let people who are not doing very well in life, <clears throat> they will uh, move them in. I guess it's assisted, a government-assisted program, and they will allow them to move into a, a, a better community, a better neighborhood with better houses, Right? Guess what happens when they get there? These nicer houses that they move into, they destroy them. The problem is not that they're deprived. The problem is that they're depraved. 
You can take somebody and just give it all to them. But if they don't know how to manage it, if they don't know how to take care of it, they'll destroy it. It's already been tried. It doesn't work. Are you with me here today? She said, God bless me. Give me some money. Help me this way. If you don't know how to manage it, if you don't know what to do with it when you get it, you're only going to destroy it. So God, amen, are y'all here today? Bless Joseph. But God knew that Joseph would handle it correctly. Somebody give the Lord praise. How I many of y'all believe that today? What do you say, Pastor? I'm saying, stop going to God all the time and asking God for money. Stop going to God all the time and asking God to bless your life. Hey, you just pray, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. Lord, I'm going to walk with you. You walk with me, God. Prepare me. Teach me. Show me how to manage life. Show me how to live life. And once the blessing comes, then you'll know what to do with it. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. How many of y'all are hearing the Word of God today? That's not what you wanted to hear, did you? You wanted to hear that God's going to give you a brand new house and a brand new car and everything else and you're not even ready for it. Wouldn't even know what to do with it if you got it. Say amen. amen. Praise the Lord, church. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me here today? You, 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 see, you see people in the house of God? Man, you know that God will start blessing them financially. But no matter how much money they get, no matter how many blessings come their way, for some reason they're always broke. Well, aren't you making more money today than you were yesterday? Aren't you making more money this year than you were a year ago? Then why are you broke all the time? It's because you don't know how to manage it. So stop asking God to give you more. Ask you tell you, say, God, when you give it to me, I want to know what to do with it. When you give it to me, show me how to handle it. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So don't ever hang your head or head down. No, some of you don't like it me because I'm coming right at you. Guess what? I'm still coming after you. Whether you like it or not, I'm coming right after you right now. Because God wants to help you. God wants to change your life. God wants to bless your life. But you've got to stop hanging your head in despair and discouragement. Because God is not moved by discouragement. And let me just say this, I'm below your mind. But God's not even moved by your need. God is moved by your faith. I said, God's moved by your faith. He said, God, I got a need. You don't think He knows it? Get your head off the ground. Lift your head up and look to Jesus. Begin to worship and praise Him and believe Him that He can turn it around. And God, when you start walking in faith, He'll turn it all around for you. It may take a while. It may not happen tomorrow. It may take a while, but you, you stay faithful to God. Amen. So Joseph refused to go into despair. He refused to be discouraged. He refused. He got up. He got busy. And the master said, you know what? This young man is worthy of a position. I'm going to put this young man in a position because everything he does prospers. And look how he's serving as a slave. So I'm going to put him in a position. Now notice what it says. Are y'all here with me still? So verse 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him.
and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he what? Served him. You be the best employee that your boss has ever seen. Amen? You be the most diligent, hard worker, amen, obedient worker that your boss has ever had. And it will be impossible for him not to exalt you. Did you hear what I said? Hallelujah. He's going to look at your life and going to say, this one's better than anybody I have. I'm going to put him in charge. How many of y'all believe the Word of God today? And I'm going to tell you, it may not be overnight. I went ten years in a job, missed five days only out of those ten years. Five days of work only out of those ten years for, for a sickness. And I never got promoted. For ten years. You know, sometimes that worked on me. See, now we're back there working as hard as I can. You know, working on oil field pumps, so on and so chemical pumps and doing mechanic work and everything. And just working as hard as I possibly can. And I couldn't ever figure out why I didn't ever get promoted. You know why I believe I didn't get promoted? Because they couldn't replace me. I was too, I was doing too good a job doing what I was doing. They couldn't find anybody to do that job any better. You just got to look at it that way. Hallelujah to the Lord. Walk in the boss. Why ain't you promoting me? No, you just go to God and say, you know what I think it is, God? I just do this job so good that they can't find anybody to replace me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and then, you know, after 10 years, I kind of I got a little tired of it, you know what I'm saying? And another job opened up and I got a desk job. I went from the back garage, the back of the garage as a mechanic, I went to a desk job selling. Amen? And I tell you, I had the worst boss you ever seen in your life. He's never in a good mood. Every day he walked through the doors, he was throwing stuff at us and complaining about everything. Now, you couldn't please him if you tried. How are you here today? But you see, I thought a geographical relocation was the answer for my promotion. You know how long I lasted? About six months. And I couldn't take it anymore. So he came in, he threw a fit one morning and he just let us have it. I got my stuff and I walked out the door. Hallelujah. Because I just couldn't take it anymore. But you see, I thought if I made that job change that I, that, yeah, this is the promotion I'm looking for. No, it ended up being misery. Walked out that door after six months. I went to work uh, for another place, uh, Sun Chrysler, years and years ago. It used to be Sun Chrysler. And I went to work there. Are y'all here with me? Yeah. And God started prospering me at that dealership. And the boss, I had a real good relationship with my boss. My boss liked me. He'd asked me to pray right there in the middle of the of sales meetings for the sick. Now, he didn't claim to be a believer. I mean, he feared God, but he didn't claim to be a believer. But somebody would get sick and, and he would, hey, he said, we're going to ask Carter to pray for this person. Right there in the middle of a car dealership business. And I said, okay, 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 I'll do this. And I got up and I stood up and I prayed for somebody. This mother was in the hospital, got up and prayed for her. Amen. Right there in the middle of that business. Amen. It's going to love Thomas and them have a prayer meeting where he works. <clears throat> and uh, so after I got through praying, my boss walked out with tears in his eyes. He said, Carter, he said, God touched that woman, raised her up off that bed. 
And in those days, we're just starting the church. We're just starting a, a ministry. Just starting the church. <clears throat> he said, tears in his eyes. He said, Carter, he said, I want to give an offering to your church. This man doesn't even claim to be a believer. Are y'all here with me today? Are y'all here with me today? And after a while, and I, I didn't really know I was going to share this testimony with you, but maybe it'll help somebody. After a while, that boss at that dealership, he said, I want you to do a commercial. My first try in television. Amen. So I did a commercial right at the dealership. <clears throat> and before I knew it, that old boss that I walked out on because I just couldn't take him anymore. Amen. Called me on the telephone. I get, he said, I saw your commercial. Oh, you did? Good. He said, I, he said, I want you to come back to work for me. It never happened. You see what I'm saying? But God was behind the scenes. He was working. Give the Lord praise in the house. All I'm saying, when you go through 10 years and you don't get a promotion, you try to find a way to promote, your, promote yourself, it's not going to be too good a situation. Amen. But you just have to keep trusting God. And then, so when you go from that place, you go to another. You just have to keep trusting God that God's going to bless you. But ultimately, what He wants you to do is He wants you to be His servant so that people can see Him through you. In those very difficult times, and I could go on and on and on and on and tell you years of tests and trials that I went through. But I want you to know ultimately what God will do is He'll put you in a position when you go through difficult times so He can be glorified. So that people's lives in that workplace can be changed and be challenged by the power and presence of God. And so when they look at you, they say, God is with that person. God is with that man. That's what it's all about. It's not all about how much money you make. It's about God is with you. God is using you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So the unbelievers saw in Joseph's life that God was with that man. And he, he prospered. And, and he was blessed. And he, the Bible says, was exalted, put in a position as a result of that. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. How many believe God? So when you're tempted to despair, when you're tempted to get discouraged, remember God's behind the scenes working for you. Serve. Serve. Be busy. Hallelujah. Do the best you can. And trust God. And God will bring you up. I said God will bring you up. So instead of feeling sorry for himself, verse 4, he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he put, all that he had, he put in his hand. Put him in charge of everything. Amen? Came to pass from the time that he had made him an overseer in his house and over all he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. So that this unbeliever, this idolater, Potiphar, he was blessed. His house prospered. Everything in his house. And God did it for the sake of Joseph. It's not because the unbeliever deserved it. It's because there was a man of God that had the favor of God in that place. And it brought blessing on the whole thing. Amen? 
How many of y'all, when you go to work, your boss looks at you and says, you know what? The reason why we're blessed here right now is because you're here. Or do they look at you and say, the reason why we're having problems is because you're here. They pray to God and when they look at this, they say, the reason we're blessed is because you're here. Well, thank you. God bless. In Jesus' name. How about the church? Is the church blessed because you're here this morning? God can bless the whole thing with one faithful person. How about a church full of people? A church full of people like you that are blessed of God, that got God with Him. And when you walk in the house, you got a whole congregation of people that got the blessing and the favor of God upon them. What is going to happen? Everything's going to be blessed. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you do it for one, what will He do for, a, for all of you? What a wonderful God He is. So He's blessed and everything in, in this man's house is blessed. But I want you to notice the next temptation. If the devil can't get you in, by tempting you to dis, be discouraged, if he can't get you by tempting you to be in despair, the next one he comes with will be pleasure. You understand what I'm saying? So Joseph's prospering. Careful, listen. He's prospering and he's blessed. The whole household is prospered and he's blessed. What happens to you and I when we go through times and we get prosperous and we get blessed? What would be the temptation for us if, if you go from, you know, zero to hero? How many of y'all have ever gone from zero to hero? Well, what about from hero to zero? <clears throat> well, Joseph went from being hero, exalted position, to zero as a slave, and he turned it around. Now he's exalted back up to being a hero. You understand what I'm saying? From zero to hero. When you get to that place and you're blessed, now you're the hero in the story. If you're not careful, if I'm not careful, that's when pride will begin to rise up inside. And for some reason, we may be tempted to start thinking that I did it. But even if you don't think like that, that pride can get a hold of you. And then the devil's going to hit you. He's going to hit you. And this time it won't be through despair. This time will be through, let me use a D word, delight. Delight. And if you're not careful, because of your success, that pride will get a hold of you. And when the devil offers you a pleasure, I'm talking about a sinful pleasure. Did you hear what I said? I'm not, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. Amen? But sinful pleasure often comes to us when we're prospering. Often comes to us when we're successful. Amen? We overcame the temptation to be discouraged, but now that we've got these blessings and success, now temptations for sinful pleasure will come into your life. Notice the time frame. So whenever God brings you, starts bringing you up in life, look for the next temptation 
not to be despair, but to be one of delight or pleasure. And so the Bible tells us in this time in Joseph's life when he's prospering, he's successful, and everything around him is uh, prospering. He could have been lifted up in pride, but he did not allow himself to get prideful. Notice what it says in verse 7. Verse 6, i got to go back to that. Joseph, the latter part of verse 6, Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. You know what the word goodly means? I'm in verse 6. You know what it means, goodly person? It means he had a good build. He had a good build. The word goodly means a, a good figure. Amen? Now oftentimes we, we associate a good figure with a woman. But here in the Bible is talking about he was a goodly man. That means he was built. He had a good physical figure, a good physical body. Okay? And then the Bible tells us not only was he a goodly person, but he was well favored. And the word well favored means he had a handsome face. Amen? So when you looked at this man, everybody with me? Don't get discouraged by listening to me preach. I know that can be tempting. <laughs> But this man had it together physically and he had it together outward in physical appearance. Say praise the Lord. And so, had a lot going for him, didn't he? He didn't just have success. He didn't just have position. But he had the looks to go with it. Physically built well with a handsome face. And the Bible says, now praise the Lord, this is where y'all need to really listen. Because some of you men, when you get up in the morning, you look in that mirror and you say, Wow, what a man. <laughs> now you wouldn't tell anybody else that, but you get up and you go, oh, Man, that's that one handsome looking guy right there. <laughs> so y'all really need to listen right now, I know. <laughs> Amen. Well, Joseph really was. I don't know about you, but he really was. Amen. The Bible says that when everything is now going his way, he's successful, he's prosperous, and he's, he's got the looks, the body, and the physical appearance, the face, the handsome face. Verse 7, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, say his master's wife, not just any woman. You have to see that. It wasn't just any old woman. It was his master's wife. You know, if just any woman comes after you, that's one thing. But if the boss's wife comes after you, man, I got chills. I don't know why I got chills running up down my back right now. I'm talking about the boss's wife coming after you. See, if, if, if just any woman just comes after you, it's, it's, it's probably a little easier to resist that temptation than it would be if the boss's wife is coming after you. Because, listen to me, when you've got a woman coming after you that's wearing clothes of dignity. 
You got a woman coming after you that is a woman in position. The dignity, the clothing that she wears of dignity, I'm talking about, you know, the good, the, not the she's dignity, but the clothes she wears, that position. And, uh, just authority that she carries. She comes after you and it's easier to give in to that temptation because you feel more secure and more safe because she has a position. She's in authority. She's my master's wife. So if I give in to her pursuit, she can protect me. Because she's one of position. If I give in to this temptation because she's the master's wife, I feel more secure in what I'm doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, oftentimes immorality comes to us through laws. And when laws are given for the land that, that basically san sanction immorality, because the law said it was okay. If you're not careful, you'll start thinking as a church that it's okay. I told Brother Edmonds just the other day on the telephone, we were talking about uh, this recent law that was passed by the Supreme Court. Not all the members of the Supreme Court passed it. This law of immorality that was passed. Are y'all here? And I said, Brother Edmonds, the darkness in the world, we understand that, but my concern is that it because it's now sanctioned by the law. It's going to try to get into the church. And the church, because the law says, the highest court in the land says that homosexuality is okay because the highest court in the land put their approval upon it. You with me? How many people now will give in to that immorality because the law says it's all right. I tell you as your pastor, we will never stop preaching against sin and immorality. Let God be true and every man a liar. Give the Lord praise. We ought to obey God rather than man. I teach you and I preach you to obey the laws of the land. But if the laws of the land conflict with the Word of God, you always have to stay with the Word of God no matter what comes. Even persecution comes. You have to stay true to God's Word. So if I give it to you from that angle, maybe you'll understand what I'm saying. When she came, brothers and sisters, she was the master's wife. So when something like legislation or laws or somebody in position comes with immorality, it's easier for us to fall into temptation because it's somebody that has authority that is saying it's okay. Do you understand what your pastor's preaching this morning? Say, God help the church. If the church allows itself to accept what God says is wrong. Just because the law put its approval on it. And so when this woman approaches Joseph again, I want you to see what the Bible said. It doesn't just say the woman did. It says the, the master's wife. 
Joseph's a young man. He, he, he thinks like a, a young man. He's not different than any other man. Amen? You've got a woman pursuing you, and it's not just a woman, but it's the boss's wife. Everybody hearing me? I mean, wow, the boss's wife wants me. Oh, come on, don't, don't, don't look at me like that. Not just anyone, but the boss's wife wants you. And I promise you, she was a looker. Okay? She comes and she goes after him. And uh, as a young man, I'm telling you, friend, you hearing what I'm saying? He had hormones. Amen? Nobody listening this morning. That's, see, right now, this is where you shut me off. But you get what, what I'm trying to get across to you right this morning. That when it comes to you from authority, when it comes to you from maybe laws or, or, or people who in dig, dignified clothing, you understand? People who have education, so to speak, and people who have wealth in the world, when they come and try to force immorality down your throat, if you're not careful, you'll be more comfortable with accepting it because it's the boss that said it. If somebody in the workplace offers you a drink, just that old Joe that you work with offers you, now, no, no problem. But when the boss says, sit down, let me pour you a drink. I'm going to drink one, two, and I'll pour you a drink. Man, you start sweating. You don't want to say no to the boss. How can you say no to the boss? And so the enemy comes and says, just compromise just a little bit. Go ahead and just take a little, real, real, you know, it'll be all right. You won't get drunk on one. And it may not be a drink. It may be something else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The boss may be asking you to lie about something. And it wasn't the fellow worker that asked you to lie. It was your boss that asked you to lie. And because your boss asked you to lie, well, I'm secure. Because by the way, it was the boss that asked me to do it. And I'm supposed to do what my boss says. So I want you to see. Read. When you read the Bible, read. See what it's saying. It was the master's wife that was coming after him. Joseph, will you give in to the temptation of pleasure? Will you give in to the temptation and sin against God? Say praise the Lord. You see what I'm saying? You can look at situations and, and you can justify just about anything. And they say, well, we love each other. I'm not married to her, but I love her, so we'll have sex. See, you cover the sin in something that makes you feel secure. Jesus, help me to preach. Somebody needs to hear this Word today. But God's Word says it's sin. Amen? But I've tried to tell you, you could come up with a thousand reasons why to justify going against the Word of God if it's the Master's wife that's coming. Presenting the sin. Presenting the temptation. And so, what is the response? How do we overcome temptation which comes to us? Because everybody in this church is tempted. Everybody. 
There's nobody here today that's not tempted. Everybody's tempted. So what do I do when the temptation of pleasure comes? Sinful pleasure. How do I overcome that? Amen? When that pressure's on, and the pressure's coming from who? The master's wife's coming. Hmm. Might lose my job if I don't give in. On and on and on it goes. How did Joseph overcome the temptation? Notice what the Bible says. The master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said what? Lie with me. Lie with me. You talk about an aggressive woman. She, she just, she doesn't kind of just hint around. She says, I want you to have sex with me. I want you to lie with me. How did Joseph overcome the temptation? Number one, he said, no. Amen? You don't sit around there and say, well, what, what do I do now? What do I do now? Real easy. No. <laughs> Amen? Look at each other and help each other. Say, hey, no. Now see, some of you think I'm just talking to the men right now. I'm talking to the women right now too. You've got a man coming after you and he's not the boss's wife. He's the boss. No. Well, you know, if you give me a little favor, I promote you. No. I saw a documentary not long ago, you know, about actresses and talking about their all that they go through, you know, to get parts in movies. And they were talking about how that these favors, if you know what I mean, are expected from them to get these positions, get these movies, get these jobs. Can you imagine being a woman like that? Going in there and just trying to get a job, get a, get a movie position, and you've got to do favors in order to get the job? That's pressure, man. So when I preach this morning, I'm, just not, I'm not just talking about the men being pursued by women. Women, obviously, are pursued by men. What do you do? Oh, that wasn't very forceful. <laughs> it's like some of y'all are thinking, well, she, well, mm. <laughs> if you can't say no in the church house, what you going to do right there? Well, 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 I don't, uh, don't think. So, no, no, uh, I don't know if I should do this. Um, I don't think we should do this. I don't think. What are you talking about? You don't think we should do this? <laughs> no! Praise the Lord. Come on. I always tell young people. If you really love her, you will protect her virginity. If you really love her. Amen? Just say no. Look at your neighbor and say no. No. Now, if it's your wife and you're a husband, you better say yes. 
If you're telling your husband no, you're telling your wife no, the master's wife's coming, and he may say, we shouldn't do this. I don't think we should. <laughs> say yes to your wife. Say yes to your husband. Say no to the master's wife. Amen? Now, when you look at the passage, I want you to understand the spiritual realities behind it. I could show you this chart the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 17. The mother of harlots is sitting on the back of a scarlet colored beast. This woman represents the mother of harlots. Joseph is in the house of false religion. But he's a one God believer. And he has to overcome that harlot that's riding on the back of the scarlet colored beast. She's in union with high-ranking officials called the government. And when she comes, false religion comes to you. I'm not just talking about, in a practical way, sexual advances and temptations, but you've got to remember false religion will come after the bride of Christ. That mother, that, that mother of Horus is riding on the back of the scarlet-colored beast. That religious system that's in union with world governments riding there will come after you. And you've got to tell that woman riding on the back of a scarlet-colored beast, you're a hornet. And I say, no, I will not be seduced by your false religion. Because I've got a destiny. I've got a throne. So we see, Joseph, what does he do to overcome? He says, no. Verse 8, he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold my master. You with me? What if not what is with me in the house? He hath committed all that he had to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither have he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You want to overcome temptation, you've got to say no. You've got to refuse it. Number two, you have to do what Joseph did. And he, he refused to not be dependable. He said, how can I sin against my master? He's put me in a position of authority. He's, get, he's put everything under my control except you because you're his wife. Look how dependable Joseph is. He's a faithful man to his master when his master's wife is pursuing him. How many dependable people are here today? You're dependable? Lift your hand. Just turn it around. If you're not, lift your hand. I'm dependable in the name of Jesus. I haven't been, but I am now. I'm dependable in the name of Jesus. You have to realize that when these advances come to you, there's other people that are going to get hurt by it. You, you and I have to learn to be dependable. We have to be loyal. Thank God for loyal people. People that are loyal to a church. They... Woo, God help me today. But you know what? There's some preachers that prostitute themselves to the next house. If that house is bigger, got more people and more money on the table, that preacher will leave that church and go to the other one only because they've offered him a bigger salary or more people in the church. And they prostitute their ministries from one church to another. You know why? Because all they're looking for is a handout. And when this handout runs out, I'll run to another church and they'll give me another handout. Don't prostitute your ministry. 
Don't prostitute the church of the living God. You stay loyal. You stay faithful in that house. This church is, I love you. I love you because y'all been so dependable as my wife said for years. Not, not just a short period of time. Some of you have been in here for years with us in this church trying to do the work of God. And I can count on you. And God can count on you. You're dependable. Amen. Thank God for that. Am I dependable? Am I a faithful man? Am I a loyal man? I should be. I should be faithful. I should be dependable. I should be loyal. So do you. So should you. Come on. Get in a church somewhere and be faithful. Get in a church somewhere and be dependable. Stop running from one place to another to the highest uh, bidder and prostitute yourself. Amen. He said no. Number two, his master could count on him. He was dependable. And then, most importantly, he says, you're another man's wife. I can't do this because it's a sin against God. Ultimately, all sin is against God. Amen? I want you to think about it. The Bible will go on and tell us that this was happening when everybody was out of the house. This was happening when the master's wife and Joseph were there by themselves in that place. Joseph could have said, nobody's going to know about it. He, he, he could have compromised. Nobody's going to know about it. And oh, by the way, I'm over here in Egypt. And God promised me I was going to have a a high position, but instead of having a high position, I'm a slave. Here I'm in Egypt. Nobody's going to know about it. My dad and them are back home. Nobody's going to know about it. They're back at home. All my brothers are back at home. Nobody's going to know about it. Hallelujah. Here I'm off. I'm away from the church. Nobody's going to know how I'm acting right now. Joseph could have said that, but he didn't. He said, I'll sin against God. See, here's the thing. You know who you really are is when you're not here. When you're out of town and the temptation comes to lower your standards, lower your morality, hide who you are, give in to temptation. Joseph could have rationalized and said, well, I'm away from everybody, home and everything else. Nobody's ever going to know about it. But he said, God's going to know about it. God will know about it. I said, God will know about it. So I can't sin against God. He refused. He stayed faithful. And he recognized it would be sin against God. Now I want you to see something as we go along here. She cannot persuade him to lie with her. So I'll read it to you in just a moment. She goes from saying to him, lie with me to lay beside me. And then from lay beside me, be with me. She came right out and told him what her intentions were 
And that is, I want you to lie with me. And Joseph refused. So then, a cover-up. Alright? She can't get him to lie with her, so now maybe she can get him to lay beside her. Joseph said, no. I won't even lay beside you. Okay, Joseph, just be with me. No, sir, I can't even do that. See, Joseph had the ability as a young man to see sin in seed form. See, a lot of times, the people in the church of the living God don't see sin until it's a big tree. Oh yeah, that's sin. Look, it's a big tree. We have to have the ability to see sin when it's in seed form. Long before it ever becomes the tree, you have to see it as the seed that will produce the tree. And so the Bible says when she came and pursued after him to lie with her and he didn't do that. He refused it. Lay beside me. He refused that. Be with me. He refused that as well. Because he knew this was sin in seed form. Sometimes don't we have a tendency to only call it sin when it's a big tree? We lose the ability to see that it was sin when it was just a little seed. Let me read it to you. Verse 10 came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day. She was persistent. She didn't give up. Temptation doesn't quit. It just keeps coming at you. It keeps coming at you. It tries to wear you down. Wear your resistance down. Day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Now notice she says, when she originally pursued him, verse 7, lie with me. And then the Bible says he refused to lie by her, verse 10, or to be with her. He knew it was a dangerous situation. Came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men of the house there within. It would have been done in secret. Nobody there would know about it. She caught him by his garment. Look how aggressive sin is. Look how aggressive temptation is. Man, she's got him by the coat now. That's the way the enemy works. If you read the book of Acts, the Bible talks about in the book of Acts and the church was going through test and trial persecution. The Scripture says they compelled the Christian to blaspheme. Compelled them. That's what's happening right now in our nation. The government is compelling the nation to sin. It's aggressive, church. Temptation is aggressive. It, day by day it will come after you. And it will get so aggressive it will grab a hold of your coat. Now notice again we got a coat. The first coat was used to deceive his daddy. 
And that coat, you remember, was taken from him, dipped in blood, taken to his father Jacob, and the brother said he was killed. That coat was used to deceive his daddy concerning his condition. This coat will be used to mislead people concerning his character. She grabs his coat. Now, are y'all still with me? Am I getting too long-winded? Am I losing you? Compelling him to sin. Grabs his coat. When you get in that place, church, it's not time to sit down and think about it. When temptation, how do you overcome temptation? When it comes to you, well, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to think about it. No. When temptation comes to us, we have to know, say no. We have to maintain our, depend. we're dependable, we're loyal, we're faithful. Amen. It's going to try to cover itself up. You have to have the ability to see sin in its seed form. See, a lot of people don't see it. Well, I think this will be all right. There's good intentions here. No. Sin in seed form. And so she keeps coming after him, grabs his coat. She's going to use that coat to mislead other people concerning his character. He doesn't sit down and think about it. He flees. The way you overcome temptation, the way I overcome temptation, I will repeat myself again. Forgive me, but I'll say it again and again and again. Don't sit down and think about it. What you've got to do is you've got to flee. You've got to get, listen to me carefully. You've got to get out of that place and you've got to get away from that person. But I don't want to hurt their feelings. You've got to get away from not just the place. You've got to get away from the person because you're going to yield to the temptation if you don't. It's not time to sit down and think about it. It's time to run. It's time to flee. As Timothy said, flee youthful lust which war against the soul. And it comes after me every day. It comes after you every day. It's there. It's visual. Joseph looked at her. He saw her. She was a woman. He was tempted. It was a real temptation. But he didn't sit down and think about it. He got out of the place and away from the person. Because he knew it was not lawful. It was sinful pleasure. Don't lift your hand, but just think about what I'm asking. How many of you got in trouble because you stayed too long? You stayed too long. If you had just got up and got out of there. It's really not that Difficult, right? Some of you are right now in a situation. You're saying, Pastor, it's going to be hard for me to do this. They got me around the coat. They got me by the coat. You still got to do it. You got to separate yourself. You, you got to flee from it. Flee you full us from which war against the soul. I'm telling you, this woman was beautiful. She was good to look at. Joseph, he's a man. What do you do when temptation comes? You run. You flee. Anybody hearing what, I, what your preacher's saying? It's the Word of God saying this to us. 
you flee. I want you to notice something. 114, Psalm 114. Years and years later, whenever they eat, Israel leaves Egypt. You know what they do, church? They, they pick up the bones of Joseph in the coffin. And they carry the bones of Joseph out of Egypt with them and carry his bones to the promised land. Because his bones is in the coffin and they're carrying him from Egypt to the promised land. I want to show you what God did. The same word that is used when it talks about Joseph fleeing is used in Psalm 114. Verse 3. The Bible says, the sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. Let me give you the context. Verse 1, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and what? Fled. Jordan was driven back. The same word fled is used in this story in, in the life of Joseph. Because he fled by the Word of God. When they came to the Red Sea, the Bible said the Red Sea fled. They carried the bones of Joseph, the one who believed in the Word of God. And by the Word of God, the power of God was demonstrated and the Red, and the Red Sea fled. I don't know if any of y'all have seen the Exodus. I'm going to save you some money. Don't go buy it. I saw it while we was on vacation. And anyway, don't, don't waste your money. In the, in the movie, it didn't happen like the Bible says it happened. The Bible said the sea fled. Mounted up on sides. Heaps mounted up like frozen water crossed over on dry ground. Not gradually dissipating. But anyway, the point being is this, is the same word in the Hebrews used here. When it says Joseph fled, the waters fled by the power of God. If you'll flee from temptation, who knows what kind of manifestation of power of God will take place in your life. Maybe there's a red sea that will be parted in your life. Because you fled from temptation. God's going to split the sea. God's going to cause the Red Sea to be to flee by the power of His Word. God is awesome. I said God is awesome. Give Him a hand clap of praise. So God connects. I want you to understand by the Hebrew, God connects the word Joseph when he fled with the parting of the Red Sea. She caught him by the garment, verse 12, saying, Lie with me. He left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Flee youthful lusts that war against the soul. It came to pass when she saw that he left his garment in her hand and, and was fled forth, that she called to the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew, accusing her husband. See, he hath brought in, in a Hebrew unto us to mock us, he came into me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. When he heard me crying, lifting up my voice and cry, he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. 
Look at this. She's the one that attacked him. She's the one that pursued him. She's lying on him and said, He attacked me. You see, if sin doesn't have the ability to lie, it loses its power. She lies about the whole situation. Said, Joseph's the one that pursued me. Give God some praise. No, Joseph's the one that fled. I want you to think about it, church. Do you have a jacket? Anybody got a jacket? Want to share a jacket? I'll get it right back. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. If Joseph was the one that was attacking her, do you think Joseph would have left his coat behind? No, if she was resisting his attack or his advancements, he would leave his coat behind because that would be evidence against him. The fact that she had his coat in her hands is proof that he wasn't guilty. Is proof that she was the one that was attacking him. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, brother. Get the point? See, there's always something in the story that will reveal what the truth is. Something in the story doesn't make sense here. It doesn't add up. It, it, there's something not right in this story. If he had attacked her, he'd have, he'd have taken his jacket. He wouldn't have left any evidence behind. So she lied against him. Lied on him. And look how disrespectful she is to her own husband. Not only is she disrespectful to him because she's pursuing another man, but she's disrespectful to her husband even in the presence of his servants. He brought him in. Total disrespect to her husband. So we look. Verse 15, verse 16. She laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. She kept that garment. She's going to use it to mislead people concerning the character of Joseph. How many of y'all have ever been lied on and you knew you did the right thing? Anybody? You're, there's only one, two, three. three. Only three of you? I'm going to come talk to the rest of you find out what you're doing. You've never been lied on and you did the right thing? That hurts, doesn't it? When you've done the right thing and you're lied on, that's your reputation. Your reputation is, is at stake. Amen? Okay, I'll ask you again. How many of y'all did the right thing and got lied on? Amen? Now, praise the Lord. Finally, you looked around and see if there's anybody else but you and... You decided to join in. You do the right thing. I'm trying to show you something, church, is this, is that even when you do the right thing, sometimes you're still going to suffer. See, we're not in heaven yet. 
you're not in heaven, I'm not in paradise yet, so you can do the right thing on planet earth for the rest of your life and still suffer because you did the right thing. It's only when you get to heaven that the suffering will end, but not until. So now we see she, he's lied on. Man, that feel bad. You try to do the right thing and this person's lying on you. Destroying your reputation. Claiming to have proof. Circumstantial evidence. She waits with that garment waiting for her husband to come home to use it to mislead him concerning the character of Joseph. Verse 17. She spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. You're the reason why it happened. Disrespect her husband. You with me? Verse 18 came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. It came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, his wrath was kindled. Who was he mad at? He wasn't mad at Joseph. You know who he was mad at? He was mad at that woman. He knew what kind of character she was. He knew what kind of character Joseph was. But you see, the servants, you know, have this lie from this woman. He's got to uphold respect, a certain amount of face in his house. In, in Egyptian law, if you study the passage, in Egyptian law, for a high-ranking official like this, for his wife to be attacked like this, the person that would be caught according to Egyptian law would not only be put to death, but would be tortured to death. Potiphar doesn't torture Joseph to death. He doesn't even kill him. He takes him and puts him in the king's prison of which he's in charge. So that he could still be close to Joseph. The reason why he didn't kill Joseph, the reason why he didn't torture him to death is because he knew his wife was lying. He knew it. So he just puts him in the prison. In the king's prison, no less. Close to his house. Now listen, church. He did the right thing, but he's suffering for it. He's lied on. He's suffering for it. Now, he's taken and put in prison. He's suffering for doing the right thing by losing his freedom. He's lost his freedom. In Psalm 105, let me read it to you. What else did he lose for doing the right thing?
I think it's 105, I don't, maybe not. Give me a minute, see if I can find it. Yeah, it is. Psalm 105, 17. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, verse 18, whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. He did the right thing, and in doing the right thing, he still suffered. He suffered the loss of his freedom. Number two, he suffered hurt feelings. They put his feet in iron fetters. And number three, he suffered the loss of his reputation. When you and I do what's right and we live for God, it is not going to exempt us from suffering. You'll be lied on. Sometimes you may even lose your freedom. You may have your feelings hurt. You may lose your reputation. And that one right there, that third one, okay, unless you've ever been in a similar situation where you've lost your freedom and maybe went to prison for something you didn't do, hello, then you probably can't relate to the first two. But the third one I think most of us all can rep, uh, relate to and that is the loss of reputation because somebody lied. Now what I'm about to say is probably going to blow your mind because you and I have this idea that we need, if our reputation has come under attack, that we need to make sure that our reputation stays intact. So we take steps and we do everything we can to make sure our reputation is not ruined. What I'm about to say is about to blow your mind. Oftentimes, when we're so concerned about our reputation, it's more about pride than anything else. Leave your reputation in the hands of God. You know what you have to worry about? You know what you and I have to focus about, brothers and sisters? We have to focus on maintaining good character. Help me preach. Look at your neighbor and say, maintain good, good character. Stop worrying about your reputation. The Bible says Jesus, He, he didn't try to make a reputation for Himself. You maintain. What you and I are responsible for is to maintain good character. Leave your reputation in the hands of God. Because if you're always worried about your reputation, you're trying to fix that. It's pride. Well, i got to call them. i got to fix this. And you know, you, you messed up my reputation. You leave it alone. You let God take care of your reputation, but you maintain your character. And the next thing you need to see is that when somebody's lying on you, you got to do what Joseph did. Keep your mouth shut. He opened not his mouth. Because you're always going to have people that's going to try to destroy your reputation. Always. And if you're always trying to... No, 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 no. 
It's okay for you. In fact, more than okay. You should state the facts. So open, if you open your mouth, open your mouth only to state the facts. But don't open the mouth. Just be quiet and let God take care of your reputation. Don't open your mouth about all the lies that are coming and trying to destroy your reputation because that's going to happen. But when it comes time and you need to, state the facts. That's what you do. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Because you can sit there and you can try to defend yourself all day and all night long and they got their side and you got their, your side and all this. Forget it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep being a man of God. I'm gonna keep being a woman of God. Not not me. I'm not a woman of God. Hallelujah. But I mean, some of y'all are. <laughs> I'm 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 not. Anyway. How many of y'all going to under? You understand that? Listen, brother. They're coming after you. You you just get ready, man. You haven't seen nothing yet. You know you, you could be hurt. Why would people talk to me, talk about me like that? Why would people treat me like this? My, my, my reputation is being destroyed. Isn't that going to affect the kingdom of God? Just take the facts. Trust God with your reputation. Amen? But maintain your character. Because ultimately, if you maintain your character, your reputation will come around to meet the character that you are. Because a lot of times, if you're trying to defend your reputation and your character is not what it's supposed to be, then you deserve what you're getting. But Joseph didn't deserve what he was getting. So he trusted God with his reputation. He opened not his mouth, but he maintained his character. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. I said give God some praise. And I'm about to come to close. And I, you've been wonderful this morning. But I remember a man of God years and years that I heard about, years ago, years and years ago I heard about, I don't even know the man's name, but he was evidently a man of stature in the ministry. And I was told this by ministry that he was accused falsely of immorality. And amen. So all he could do is he went before the board and he resigned. Turned in his credentials, he resigned. That's all he could do. What else could he do? He was accused, stated the facts, but they didn't believe him. He resigned. But because of the kind of man that he was, he was it was a lie. They lied on him. Years went by, church, and the truth finally came out. And that man was reinstated back into He trusted God with his reputation and maintained his character. And God reestablished him. Give the Lord praise. Give him praise. So when you live for God and you live holy and you live separated and you live godly, it's not going to exempt you from the suffering. Lost freedom. Hurt feelings. Destroyed reputation. But keep maintaining your character. Hallelujah.
So the last thing you want to do, if somebody, unless you just got to state the facts, the last thing you want to do is just keep furthering the gossip about yourself. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to further the gossip about you? Eh. You know they're going to talk. Okay, whatever. I'll give you the facts. You probably won't believe them, but here, I'll give them to you anyway, and then I'm going to trust God. Anybody? Is this helping anybody? Hallelujah. Well, you might not need it right now, but maybe tomorrow. So do you understand what you're supposed to maintain? Not your reputation. Your character. At some point, who you really are is going to come out. Amen? Amen. I just got the preacher on me. I think I could preach all, all afternoon. And it would help if you get into the service, but if you're sitting there on the pew, you're going to go to sleep. You know what I do if I start feeling like I'm going to go to sleep? I jump up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, I don't even know what the preacher said, but hallelujah, I'm trying to stay awake. <laughs> you don't need it right now, but you will. You will. Amen? So how many of you thought wrongly that if you did everything just right, that you would never suffer? Everything just, that's where you're wrong. Amen? What is in Joseph? What keeps him going? There's something in him. There's a destiny inside of him. He, I'll tell you what he ultimately is. He's got a revelation of Jesus. He doesn't even know it, but he's a type of Jesus. Being sold in the hands of the Gentiles. Being lied on by false witnesses. Being numbered with the transgressors. Placed in a pit, the grave, only to rise up and to ascend to sit on the right hand of God Almighty. The one who had a rainbow coat. Are y'all with me here today? Someday he's going to sit on the throne, but he'll go through that time of suffering and rejected. He was rejected by his brethren. He was lied on. Are y'all with me here? Cast into a prison house, sold in the hands of Gentiles, crucified, dead, buried, risen from the dead, and ascended to sit on the right hand of God. Right now, the Bible said there's a rainbow round about the throne. It's like it's emerald, it's green. Revelation 4 is round about the throne. And guess who's sitting on the throne? Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne. He looks like a jasper and a sardine stone. Hallelujah. He's clothed with a rainbow. Revelation 10 says he's got a rainbow on the top of his head. Praise God. He's in covenant with the Father and the Father brought him out of the dungeon and placed him on a throne. What am I saying to you? Because you and I are in covenant with God. We've got a destiny. It's the destiny called the throne. But you're going to go through similar times of suffering and persecution but maintain the covenant that you have with God. Maintain faithfulness to God. And someday, that's what was in Joseph. He had a revelation of Jesus. He had a revelation of God. He knew his destiny was to sit upon the throne. That's what keeps me going when difficult times come. I'm going to sit on that throne with him. The one who is seated on a throne with a rainbow around about the throne. Joseph had a coat, a rainbow coat. 
that was stripped off of him and he went through that but he's going to make it to the throne are y'all here if you are give God praise when you have time you need to understand that what was in Joseph was a revelation of Jesus a revelation of God what was in Joseph was destiny no matter what he went through he knew he was going to be set he had set on the throne someday that destiny kept him saying no to what was wrong and yes to God. He said no bed, no, listen, he said no wedding, no wed, no bed. Because I'm not married to you, woman. I won't go to bed with you. No wed, no bed. I'm a man of covenant. My daddy gave me a rainbow coat. My father gave me a rainbow coat. A rainbow speaks of covenant. I'm in covenant with my daddy. No wedding, no wed, no bed. I maintain the covenant. Because I'm destined for a throne and there's a rainbow around the throne. Now as I come to a close, go to the book of Song of Solomon. And this is a love story between a man, a shepherd, and his, his wife. It's a type of the church, the bride of Christ, and Jesus. In the Song of Solomon, as I come to a close, the typology of Jesus is in Joseph's life. The spiritual prophetic revelation is seen there for the church where we're heading. Song of Solomon, chapter 3. How many of y'all want to go to the throne? Chapter 3, verse 1. The bride says, By night on my bed. She said, on my bed. I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. Look at verse 7. Behold, his bed. But there comes a time when it's no longer my bed and his bed. Song of Solomon 1 says, Behold, thou art fair, my beloved, yea, pleasant. Also, our bed is what? Green. Now that in that verse, now we see them, when she gets a revelation of the shepherd, before she gets a revelation of intimacy with the shepherd, it's my bed and his bed. But once they come in union, she says, our bed. It's now a covenant. It's intimacy. And notice she says our bed is what? Green. The book of Revelation says the rainbow around the throne is green. He's inviting you into a place of intimacy with Him today. If you'll stay faithful to God, you'll be able to say our bed is green. I'm in covenant with Him. Did that make sense to you? Joseph had a rainbow coat that 
pointed to His destiny of a throne. Even the times of difficulty, no matter what you go through, there's a green rainbow around the throne of Jesus. If you will, He's wearing the coat of many colors. And He's offering it to you. If you'll maintain covenant with God, you'll stay intimate with God. Someday you'll say, it's no longer my bed. It's no longer His bed. It's our bed is green. And green speaks of life and fellowship with God. Maintain your righteousness and your purity and your holiness because on the inside of you there is a destiny and it's called the throne. He's going to invite you in the most holy place. The holy of holies. The song of songs which is most holy. He's going to invite you in that intimate place in His throne in the holy of holies. Maintain your faithfulness to God. Amen. Would you please stand? Sometimes it doesn't look like I've got the garment. Sometimes I'm suffering. It looks like I'm just a slave. And no, no matter what I try to do and do right, it seems like they're suffering. It's going to be like that until we get to heaven. But there's something on the inside of you. It's a destiny, and that's the throne. Intimacy with God. Stay faithful to God. Maintain the covenant. And as I heard the word of the Lord yesterday in my study, let no man take thy crown. Be faithful to God all the way to the end. So that God, you may end up in prison. But remember, it's the king's prison. And God's already got a plan. It's going to take some time. But He's already got a plan to bring you out of the prison to ultimately seat you on the throne. Just be faithful to God. That was what was inside of Joseph. There was something in him that kept him pure. And that's destiny. Father God, I thank You right now for this church. As we are faced as a people, the people of God in this generation, Lord, with so many temptations and trials to be unfaithful. I pray for myself, my family. I pray for my children. And I pray for this church that we would let anybody take our crown. Help us to understand, Lord, as we studied this Word, how to maintain character and overcome temptation because we have a destiny on the inside of us. And Lord, I give You all the glory and all the honor and the praise because, Lord, as I look at this tip, typical predictive prophecy in the life of Joseph, I see the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in contrast to the faithfulness of the first Adam in the 37th, 38th chapter. Lord, I give you all praise and glory and honor. Let me learn by your word. And forgive me, Lord, my sin. When I come short, Lord, when I yield to temptation, when I'm tempted to despair, when I'm when I'm tempted, Lord, to give in to sinful delight. Forgive me, God. I pray for this house, Lord. Let them take this word today and live by it that they might be different, that they might dare to be different in a world gone mad. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Before I let you go, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to tell him, you can have a destiny and that destiny is a throne. Just get in covenant with God and maintain that covenant with God. Be intimate with God. And someday, you'll look upon His face. The one who saved you by His grace. You'll see Him someday. And it may be hard right now, but keep that ever before you. God bless you. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, you're dismissed. I love every one of you.